0: Hello, and welcome to Above Average Irrelevance. This is episode 32. Today is Monday, February 6th. I'm Matt Weaver, and I'm here with Scott Nelson. How's it going, Scott?
1: Great. Uh, drinking coffee today. Yes. Decaf coffee. It better be decaf. It, it is decaf. <laughs> I'm just trusting you. Yeah. When I'm awake at 3 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I'll know the truth. Uh, yeah, no, I had to wait for the,
0: for the good folks at Caribou to make some deep calf.
1: Did I tell you about my Caribou coffee experience? <laughs> no. So a new Caribou coffee slash Einstein bagels opened near my workplace over, uh, off Broadway. Uh, oh yeah. It's in the, that parking lot. The mall. Yeah. yeah. Um, Okay. So they do this thing where the first 50 people in line, when they open at 7 a.m. on their first day of business, get free coffee and bagels for the year. Really? And what that amounts to is you get a coupon. They're like dated coupons, and you get one per week for a year to get a free medium coffee and a bagel with cream cheese. Wow. So you end up getting 52 free coffee and bagels. Yeah. Guess who was one of the first 50 in line?
0: That would be you. Yeah. Uh, how are the bagels gonna fit into your diet? <laughs> well, that's
1: the thing. That's the thing. <laughs> so I went and did it with some coworkers, and we got in line at like midnight. So we sat outside in the cold all night. Wow! Um, in order to were you <laughs> to first do in this. line? No, we were like numbers like fourteen, fifteen, sixteen around there. So that means that there are like
0: fourteen people even crazier than you are.
1: Oh, there were tents. There were people in tents with sleeping bags. It was crazy. Um, so the idea was <clears throat> my office is pretty close to there. So we were going to hang out at the office and just keep an eye on the line, you know, and mm-hmm. then when it, when we needed to seize the moment, go get in line. Well, by like 1230 or so, there were already, you know, 15 people in line and we kind of didn't want to risk it. So we just got in line <coughs> wow. um, and sat there and it was pretty cold. This was last week. It was pretty cold last Tuesday night. So did you like take um, a... Lawn chair and a blanket, yeah, I sat in a camp chair with a <laughs> with a blanket <clears throat> for I guess seven hours, <laughs> man, um, uh, but hey, man. free coffee and bagels for a year, <laughs> yeah, you know, I can't complain i mean i've
0: uh the uh I think it's Rosedale, one of the apple stores that opened in Minneapolis I went to the to the opening of and got a t shirt hmm. I mean. So I, I've done
1: that sort of crazy stuff, but I was just kind of long for the ride. Like some other guys kind of put this effort together and I was like, Hey, what the heck? I got nothing better to do. I like free coffee. Um, in <laughs> retrospect, it wasn't a great idea. Like <laughs> Wednesday was a hard day at work. Yeah. Um, it was really cold. About 5 a.m., there was, like, this weather cell that came through, and it was, like, white-out blizzard conditions for, like, 15 <laughs> minutes. Seriously, we were just like, <laughs> what is happening? I mean, yeah. it was really crazy.
0: And no one thought to bring, like, a thermos of hot chocolate or coffee?
1: Yeah, we had coffee and snacks and stuff. Oh, okay. Um, and actually, the people at Caribou brought big things of coffee out for everybody at, like, 5.30. Yeah. Um, what time? And the store opened at 7. 7. Yeah, just as the sun was rising. Wow. So yeah, it was a good time. But then when I was standing in line, I was like, the irony is I don't eat bagels, so I'm gonna have to see if somebody wants to tag along with me to take the free bagel every week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no, that's funny. Uh,
0: well, I guess it's a good way to bond with your new coworkers. Yeah. right? And uh,
1: I would have invited you along, but you were out of town. I was. Yeah, that's. So. Uh, <laughs> i don't think you would have done it anyway yeah i don't know (laughs) it was pretty dumb (laughs) it's uh
0: sometimes that stuff strikes me as ridiculous and i don't do it and other times i like my initial thought is that's ridiculous and then like the you know the other part of my brain says yeah but do it anyway right (laughs) so i (laughs) who knows right I got a grill. could have hauled a grill out
1: there. We could have... Barbecued? Sure. tailgated
0: all night in the Uh,
1: caribou parking lot. Part of what was funny about the experience was, A, the other people. You can't imagine the diversity of the people (laughs) who were willing to wait in line all night for free free stuff.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So the diversity of people was really interesting. And just the kind of like the procedure of it over the night. So the 50 people were in line by about 3.30 a.m. So we jumped the gun by several hours. Yep. Um, but it was still pretty early and then people just kind of kept rolling in and you'd see people slowly drive by and they're like counting the people in line. And I mean, even up to like 6am, there were still people showing up thinking that they were going to be in the 50. Because who's the
0: ridiculous person that's going to stand out there all night.
1: Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's fantastic. Yeah, it was good. Um, I'm not into that kind of thing. I've never done Black Friday. I've never gone and waited in a line outside the store. And generally, I'm anti scarcity. Mm-hmm. Like I get kind of this bullshit attitude, you know, when right. something is artificially scarce. Yep. You know, so you have to wait in line or be there to hit the button at a given time. I'm generally anti that whole concept. So this was like <laughs> a new experience for me. It's mm-hmm. it was more to hang out with your coworkers. Right. Than I'm thinking. Yeah. I do have a friend
0: of mine who, uh, a couple of years ago when the Topper's Pizza place opened, they had a you know, be one of the first people in line and get free pizza for a year. And so he, he did that. And they had, it was, I think it was one Topper's Pizza a week. I don't remember what it exactly was, but yeah. they... Now, that's serious. <laughs> they had a pizza a week, and, uh, the...
1: <laughs> I mean, no, that's like a, I don't know, what, $15 value something like that. Yeah, well, it's toppers. Maybe $8. Eight okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, uh, I don't, you know, they did it, but I don't know that they've, like, I had a couple of them, because we were doing some, he's like, oh, I'll bring a pizza. We haven't yeah. used our pizza this week, and so that was fine, but neither he <laughs> nor I really eat it.
1: Nobody, yeah, pizza. nobody needs to eat pizza, Weekly yes, well, and especially topper's, toppers yeah.
0: pizza right uh, I, to be honest, you know, I've kind of been eating Domino's pizza no. on those occasions when i mm. when I order a pizza, which isn't often, mm-hmm. but they're kinda of killing it as as far as delivery pizza goes.
1: It's definitely the most convenient uh and most like reliable as far as ordering online, yeah. And actually getting it delivered when they say it's going to be and easy to pay and yeah that kind of stuff. There's several places in town here that do online ordering where it's just a disaster. So I've thought about, you know, because the pizzas you get from
0: Domino's or Pizza Hut or whatever are kind of terrible.
1: Uh, well, I didn't want to, like, say that since you said you've been eating Domino's pizza, but I think it's pretty terrible. <laughs> it, it is terrible. But is there another <laughs> delivery place in town
0: that you think is better? No. Yeah. See, uh, I feel like as a, as a moderately capable, you know, semi-intelligent human being, I ought to be able to make a pizza at my house that's superior to anything that some dude is going to bring me in a cardboard box. Um, but I, I almost never make a pizza at home. It's a lot of work. Well, and you got to start with the dough. And I feel like if I was going to have to learn how to make the dough, I'd need a uh, a stand mixer, you know, yeah. with, a, with a dough hook on it, which I don't have. And it's not that I don't want one, but I don't really want one.
1: Yeah. So I used to make homemade pizza quite a bit when I was into eating pizza. And I would just buy the... Pillsbury, you know, package. pizza dough in a yeah. can. And I know anything, any, like... That's easy. Any bread product you get out of a can I know is bad and bad for you, <laughs> but um, yeah. it's it tastes good and it makes a good pizza crust. Yeah.
0: So. Uh, and, you know, I suppose it's fresh in a way that the 20 minutes it takes to get from wherever to your house. What
1: I'll say is it's no worse for you than Domino's pizza crust. I, I know that for a fact. And then when you make your own, you can put feta cheese and artichokes and whatever you want on it. It doesn't have to be garbage pepperoni and sausage, you know. You probably do veggie mostly, which is... Um, it's kind of hard to ruin or overprocess veggies.
0: Yeah, the... Uh, <laughs> I often... My friends have nicknamed a pizza the weave, mm. which is uh, uh, mushrooms olive uh black olives and onions that pizza combination is mm. called the weave and uh it's uh it's a very fine pizza i left to my own devices i will often end mm. up ordering that or some variation thereof
1: sounds good so throw some sausage on um soul
0: <laughs> uh, when i'm in chicago and we're ordering pizza from lou Malnati's, we'll get uh a leave and we will sometimes get something uh i have another friend uh clayton is his name and uh he came up with this idea out of left field one day um he ordered a thin crust pepperoni pizza as a complement to the thick crust chicago style you know pizza and so we'll get the weave with a clay kicker we call it (laughs) and so you end up you know the bulk of the pizza you're eating is the thick crust traditional chicago style lumal pizza which is phenomenal and then you just have a couple of slices of this like your palate
1: cleanser (laughs) kind of like
0: cracker crust you know pepperoni pizza which is not super greasy uh and it's it's just wonderful
1: okay no more talk
0: about pizza. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's ten ten at night. There's <laughs>
1: No good can come Nothing from good this. Nothing good is gonna come from this. Uh, so we watched Super Bowl yesterday. Indeed. Uh quite a game.
0: Yeah. Did did you uh did you want to talk about any <laughs> aspect
1: of that whole extravaganza? Um I have to say it. I was really disappointed in the commercials. Did you do any research today? Okay, so we watched the stream. Yes, um, we watched the Fox Sports Go stream on Apple TV. Yeah, and the commercials were just super underwhelming. <coughs> and, like, many of the big-name advertisers that usually uh, advertise during Super Bowl weren't there. And we were actually questioning at the time if they so, were, there were different ads on the stream. Um, I had read prior to the game that uh, the...
0: Fox in the stream was going to let local stations put their commercials in the streams for the people locally Um, but we didn't see any local commercials Uh, so probably our affiliate here didn't do that is my guess Um, so at least at that level we seem to see some different commercials we saw a lot of you know, Fox commercials. Yeah,
1: like house ads.
0: Um, a lot. So it seemed like there were a bunch of commercials we weren't getting. Uh, at one point during the third quarter, uh, the whole thing keeled over and died. <laughs> and after we waited for a couple minutes, uh, I clicked over to the Fox Sports Deportes stream, yeah. and we watched the third quarter uh, in Spanish. And it worked fine.
1: Which, yeah, it turns out, I mean, you're just watching the football anyway. Like, Yeah, I mean, the announcers were in
0: Spanish. And uh, then as we got into the fourth quarter and the Patriots started to do well, we were afraid to try to switch back for fear that we'd ruin it all. But, uh, you know, my friend who was the Patriots fan uh, in the Spanish spirit, every time the Patriots would score a touchdown, he would yell
1: goal. <laughs> so, you know, like he was watching a soccer game. Uh, so I thought that was kind of fun. Yeah. So the commercials were a little disappointing. The game was great. I mean, when you got a epic come from behind like that, and mm-hmm. you're not even really a football fan. So, I mean, I like to watch football. I don't, I have, I don't have a team. I don't root for anybody. I don't really care yeah. about the outcome of the game. um, So I'm just there hoping for a good game, period. Right. So it's something worth watching. Um, And this was. Yeah, it was. Um, It was one of the better Super Bowl football (laughs) games
0: I can remember.
1: Definitely. I do think the NFL overtime, the way overtime works with sudden death is not good. I think it's horribly anticlimactic when you get into overtime like that, you know, and you get your second win and you're excited. It's like it's like the game starts over, you know, it's 0-0, zero, zero, and then it's like one drive down the field and it's over. Well, I, I watched a playoff game earlier. Uh, maybe it wasn't a playoff game. I watched a game earlier this year where it was the same thing. I think it was a Packers game where it went into overtime and then one one drive and it's over. Like, it, it places all of... One drive that ends in a touchdown. Yeah. Uh, it used to
0: be... First person to score. So even if you got to the forty yard line and your kicker could muscle, you know, muscle a long yeah. kick, you could win that way. But now I think if you are the first to score, but you score a field goal, then the other, other team, other team still a gets a yeah. chance.
1: But even I mean, it just it puts way too much value on the luck of the coin toss. Then for who gets the first mm-hmm. possession, I feel like there should be equal possessions. The argument would be scoring a touchdown is harder, and in the case of the Super Bowl,
0: um, uh, Tom Brady and the Patriots' offense was on a roll, and the Falcons' defense was kind of playing terrible, yeah. and the Patriots got lucky, won the coin toss, and you know Atlanta had a shot to stop them and didn't.
1: Yeah, I know. I, I would have liked to have watched another quarter of football at that point. Sure uh but i I would entertain though you know if uh
0: each team gets to have at least one possession that would be fairer i mean that's the way college football works yeah and i don't think there's anything wrong with that because it would have been even more fantastic if you know matt ryan and the falcons could have gone out there and and tried to go down and score right Mm -hmm. and then it, it, let's say they had right. Like how many great catches would Jones have had? Right, yeah. I mean, that guy had some amazing <laughs> catches earlier in the game. I would have liked to seen him have a shot at tying it up again, and then and then we could see you know who's really going to win. Yeah. Uh, so, so I have to admit, um, after the game, after you guys left, uh, I went downstairs and loaded up the YouTube app, and already. The Lady Gaga halftime show was on YouTube with nearly half a million views. I don't know what it is today, but uh, I watched it again. uh, And it was was just as much fun the second time as it was the first time.
1: That's the other takeaway for me is Lady Gaga was mesmerizing. Like, I thought that was just a superb performance. And not controversial? (laughs) No. I saw a lot of stuff today about... um, kind of like the gender neutrality of the costumes was supposed to be a statement, you know, and there was sort of an androgynous look to her yeah. dancers, but that's kind of standard Lady Gaga fair. Like
0: Yeah. I mean, there was there
1: was nothing particularly um revolutionary about that I thought. No. Uh, she's always been a, you know, all inclusive, non-judgmental, you know, weird is good Yeah. kind of artist. Uh, yeah. And I think she was true to herself in that performance. So so many little things she did were just weird. Yeah. And awesome. And very Lady Gaga. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, the diving off the, the roof. From the very beginning. Yeah. yeah. When she just, like, throws
0: herself off. Yeah. Uh, mm. the, the work on the wire. Um, the... the, the that's not even a mic drop right the mic the mic throw, throw. i was gonna end.
1: see i was so busy today i didn't have time to look i was gonna see what the t- term or hashtag coined for the lady gaga mic drop is because it deserves its own <laughs> you know its own verb the mic throw maybe i don't know mic toss it should be um, like a mic Mic spike no well, I should, well maybe <laughs> it should be a gaga drop
0: Yeah, there you go. I mean, that's what it should be. And
1: then she jumps and catches the football. Super Bowl 51. (laughs) Wow. Ah.
0: That was great. And they never did show. Like, where did she go? She jumped off. I mean, she was 12 feet in the air.
1: Where did she go? Couldn't they have given us a better camera angle on her final? No, but it's fantastic, though. Like, she literally jumps
0: out of frame and it's over.
1: And that's the way it was at the beginning too. It's like they didn't know she was gonna do it or something. I they think didn't they have had that. to know where she that she was gonna do it or well, else the camera
0: would have been like zooming out and trying to follow her, like, yeah. Oh I, you know, she's fell off the roof. What's <laughs> gonna possibly happen? No, they they had to know. Right? The producer had to be on the headset to the Kimren being, Okay, she's gonna jump off. Don't follow her, stay on the drones uh, which were very cool, by the way.
1: That was cool. I uh, was gonna do some research today on that too, of how how that worked how many drones were involved cuz it was really cool uh i heard it was over 400 well, but i would like to read some more about it yeah it's the you know swarm yeah.
0: behavior you know we saw those yeah. intel commercials um they supposedly did that intel had the did the drone technology and uh we saw it a couple times uh where they had this like you know, they did these replays where they like zoomed around the field to show you different mm. angles of a, like a freeze frame during a replay. That was also Intel technology. Um, they had a bunch of cameras all around the stadium, and then they could process them to make the to make it look you know kind of bullet time like to move around. Hmm. Um, that's very cool. I thought they did a terrible job of branding that. Like I I knew about it because I read about it part of the game, but I don't think that your average TV audience watcher even put two and two together that
1: I didn't <laughs> a bunch of
0: smart Intel guys were working hard to figure out how to do that I mean all those Intel people that worked on that should have should have had something like Intel should have had a you know a two minute commercial somewhere during the game that highlighted those people and said you know we're more than just the processor in your laptop that you mm. hate, right? We are, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're Intel and we're powering the future, or something like that, right? They could have, they could have tried to do something like that, but didn't.
1: Hmm. Uh, yeah. So anyway, another Super Bowl, come and gone. Yeah, it was a pretty good one as far as Super Bowls go. Hmm. I am um, especially. I was glad it was a great halftime show after the disaster that was last year's halftime show. Yeah, I didn't care for last year. <clears throat> it was just so disjointed. disjointed. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
0: I I don't understand why they want to have more than one artist. I I'm sure the committee thinks, oh, it's gonna appeal to everybody. Right. But the reality is, you know, they get the artist gets 13 or 14 minutes to do their show which is just barely enough time to to bring an audience into the moment Mm -hmm. uh so i you know now you want to share that with two or three people i don't know as an artist like why why would you agree to that i don't know maybe the payday is phenomenal and i can't begrudge Somebody getting a paycheck. I guess. I mean,
1: I think what happened there is they wanted to have Coldplay do the halftime show. Coldplay is not an energizing type of band. Like, Chris Martin doesn't really run around the stage and pump up the crowd. And so then I think we're going to introduce Bruno Mars and Beyonce for, like, the pump you up factor. But but it just didn't work. Those two styles of music didn't work together. Like, it you could just have weird. just had Beyonce. Well, she. I mean, Beyonce performed several years prior to that. So did Bruno Mars. Yeah, so just have him yeah, again. I, I don't know. It was weird. Yeah. I definitely prefer, you know, looking back over the last 10 years or whatever, single act shows are always the best.
0: Yeah, though some are kind of terrible. Like, I thought The Who wasn't really very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Rolling Stones performed a few years ago and by their final song by like their third song i felt like they'd kind of found their their rhythm um but you know initially it was terrible right like it's the beginning of their performance wasn't very good the i you know i don't know i i think the the super bowl performance it's a tough gig it's a tough gig Right, I mean, mm-hmm. it's your audience is huge, and your time—it's a is cultural short.
1: touchstone. It's something that everyone's going to talk about. Everyone's going to remember. Yep. Um, well, and and people, you know, even now people
0: talk about them. Like every time the Super Bowl comes out, there's a bunch of articles. You know, what's your favorite halftime show? Right, and all of this right. stuff is out on YouTube. Right, so people can go and look and. And remember, I'm going to be talking for
1: years about how terrible the Coldplay, Beyonce, Bruno show was. So. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and, you know, for a long
0: time, people are going to remember Katy Perry and Left Shark. Right. Right? So...
1: That was a great show, too. Yeah. I don't think it was as good as... It wasn't as good as Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga's show. No, but Katy Perry's a good entertainer. Uh, and
0: I, of course, am still partial to U2's halftime mm-hmm. show in 2002, but... I'm, that was one of the greats. Yeah, I'm a YouTube fan, so yeah. Uh, Prince's halftime show, which is the only one that it's ever rained.
1: Yeah, that one was messy. <laughs> uh,
0: you know, when he when he died, that kind of came back into focus again, and that was a great show.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but till next year. Till next year. I mean, I guess we can't leave the Super Bowl without saying were you for or against Roger Goodell getting booed when he was handing over the trophy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. Yeah. I thought it was funny. I think it, yeah, I think he probably deserved it. Yeah. Uh, the way that whole thing was handled. So but I I wonder how much longer he'll have the job. I don't know. Tom Brady wins in the end, I
0: guess. Yeah, Well, whether Tom Brady wins on the field or not, he goes home to a supermodel every night. So (laughs) he he might just win anyway.
1: This is true. Tom Brady just plain
0: wins. Because he's Tom Brady and you're not. (laughs) Exactly. Oh, that was
1: so funny too. Um, The Atlanta owner, Mm. I think it was the owner and his wife. Yeah. They kept showing him in the telecast and they show him in the box and every (laughs) touchdown, they're cheering and the lady's dancing and they're happy And then as the fourth quarter goes on, they get down to the field and the cheering is a little more reserved. (laughs) And then as the Patriots start scoring, it keeps showing them and the faces have fallen and everything's gotten very serious. And then by the end, it was just like completely distraught. Yeah, that last. Shot I would like of to. I would, yeah, I would like to see like uh, the screenshots throughout the Super Bowl of those two. That's got to be a meme by now. Yeah, because <laughs> it was just like <laughs> drooping. Yeah, well, crazy. As, as that's I'm what sure. would happen. That's what would happen if you thought your team was gonna. Yeah, as I'm sure all of the Falcons fans were right. Because,
0: yeah. I mean, let's be honest. You just blew a 25 point lead in the Super Bowl. <laughs>
1: <laughs> talk about choke I don't know what happened they just got overconfident yeah so oh well better luck next year yeah
0: something like that anyway
1: uh so we some it,
0: topics today we do um let's go from the bottom up so uh the astronaut I.O. uh which is just a little funny web app that somebody made that shows visitors short clips of YouTube videos that do not have very many views. And so you see six, seven seconds of a video. And if it's intriguing to you, there's one button. And you can push the button and you'll keep watching that video. And then as soon as you're done watching the video, you click the button again, and it just whisks you off to the next one. And so you get these little little blips of, of videos that are not popular. Like, by design, it is searching for videos that have as few views as possible. Right? So you're an astronaut in the nether regions of YouTube, <laughs> right? You're watching the videos that no one has seen before. You're trying to uncover hidden gems maybe <laughs> uh, you're certainly uncovering hidden things, if you're lucky, you'll find a gem.
1: Uh, see, I'm kind of fascinated by this like I could get sucked in, I could get sucked into that for hours um, like the little time I spent on it, there were a lot of very interesting videos uh high school high school bands. In yeah. high school basketball games, a lot of home video type stuff. Right, home video stuff that people take, they post it on YouTube, they send the link to their team or their family. Yeah, um, but then no one. There's no discovery aspect to that video whatsoever. Right, it's not. It's not gone viral. You know, and,
0: you know Jimmy Fallon isn't. Talking it
1: right yeah so like little interviews class project things just like anything that people's grandkids doing stupid stuff right yeah what i would call like the direct link videos where a direct link has been sent to the people who it's pertinent to right but it's still out there to be discovered to be discovered that's right uh it would seem like
0: this might be an ideal april fool's day joke in your office like if you could somehow get you know at 9am everybody's browsers to pop open a tab with astronaut IO in it just see if you could crater the office all the <laughs> you know <laughs> people watching unwatched YouTube videos uh that might be a a fun thing not quite sure how you do it but I don't know do you have an intranet can you can you put a little javascript bug in the intranet mm. Make everybody's web browsers open probably <laughs> probably not, maybe you should probably be.
1: shouldn't try N-
0: well, at least not now that we've talked about it publicly yeah on the on the podcast
1: so i didn't I didn't do any reading. did it say on the site how they managed to do this, like on YouTube, can you just get an index of every video ranked by page views ranked by views? Um they didn't describe how
0: they did it, but surely. One of the objects that can be returned to you is how many views does this video have? So
1: surely that's
0: data that could be gotten, right?
1: Yeah, but I, yeah, I wonder what the entry point is, though. Like if you can just start requesting lists of videos, maybe most recent videos or something like that. Maybe. Uh, maybe you just
0: slowly troll all the videos and record in your database how yeah. many views each one of them has. Uh, I don't know.
1: It is an interesting problem. I've never messed with the YouTube API. It's a, Right. It's a <clears> cool <throat> idea. I'm sure it's somebody who just wanted to do some project with the YouTube a- API. Exactly yeah. that. Um, and it's just a very simple, self-contained... Um... The beauty of it is that somebody made this thing that's kind of bizarre
0: and almost... It is almost without value, but yet there it is out on the internet for the whole universe to enjoy, uh, you know, even if you only get 20 minutes of entertainment out of it, right? You you know, if all the people who only get 20 minutes out of, of entertainment out of it, I've still still got a lot of entertainment, a lot of worldwide entertainment for your little Absolutely. Funzy afternoon hackathon project, right? (laughs) So, I don't know. In a lot of ways, I find that site is like the ideal incarnation of what I want our podcast to be.
1: Discovery? (laughs) Yeah. I like it. Uh, All right, let's talk about the other thing. Okay, I better turn this off.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you're watching those videos right now, aren't you? (laughs) Uh, this is uh, Nerdwriter, uh, a video, how Louis C.K. tells a joke. Uh, and he he totally dissects Louis C.K.'s playing Monopoly with his daughter's hmm. joke, which is apparently 207 words. Uh, and he dissects it and in, in discusses all of the all of the reasons for all of those words that are there, right? You know, because Louis C.K. seems like he's kind of making that joke up on the fly, but he's not. No. Every word is there on purpose.
1: It is very carefully engineered. Yeah. Uh,
0: But when you, when he picks it apart and shows it to you about, you know, like he's setting up the premise and he's inserting some clever words in the premise that'll get some laughs and kind of get you primed for what's going to happen. Um, and how, you know, when he, as he's telling this joke, there are these little bits in there that he knows are going to get laughs and there's pauses in his delivery to let the audience laugh. And sometimes like the next few words, are staying in that moment like he just made you laugh about you know when you lose at Monopoly it's dark right and that's you know then his next statement is it's a heavy thing right which is just doesn't really impart into you any more information it's just more opportunity for you to stay in the in the bit about you know whatever joke he's just told and continued to laugh about it, right? It's uh, it's really, watching this video, you give a lot of appreciation not for just how to tell a joke, but the, the basic premise of what is going on here is he's really empathizing with the audience, right? About where the audience is and how he's bringing them to where he wants them to be. In this case, in the service of his comedy and whatever social commentary mm-hmm. he's trying to have but the you know if the rest of the world spent as much time thinking about how the people receiving what's being said uh you know the, the way comedians do it we would we would have a lot more thoughtful discourse in the world today <laughs> might not all be funny but it would certainly be more to the point
1: Yeah, definitely. His uh, delivery is very careful; like it's very carefully engineered, with just the right words, yeah, um, to get the response he's looking for. A lot of the great comedians are that way. Yeah,
0: you know Jerry Seinfeld's kind of that way.
1: Well, yeah, and it mentions that he Uh gets that he got that idea from working or opening for Seinfeld and talking to Seinfeld. Right. That idea of staying in a moment and kind of doubling down on it or intensifying the language about it. Yep. Um, Which, you know, it's kind of interesting. A lot of comedians do that. And if you... um a comedian who's kind of doing something on the fly, like uh, on Tonight Show, like uh, Jay yeah. Leno or Conan O'Brien, they do that, but they, they haven't had time to think out like the proper way to intensify it. Yeah. So they end up just kind of muttering and like kind of repeating themselves, you know, once the audience is into a moment. yeah. Jay Leno was always the worst at that. Like he would just kind of just kind of like keep muttering about like this thing. And, you know, but it's because he didn't have time. Sure. He's not preparing an act. Right. It's just on the fly yeah um but you can draw parallels between that kind of like in the moment comedy and then actual prepared uh stand up routine and how more carefully they can craft that those moments yeah uh when you watch
0: comedians in cars getting coffee with Seinfeld I don't
1: know do you watch this
0: thing on the
1: I no I've seen bits and pieces of it it it's genuinely funny um in kind of an off-the-wall way.
0: And, uh, you know, because he spends basically a day with these people. And he can because he's Jerry Seinfeld. So when Seinfeld calls and says, hey, I want you on my show, you kind of say yes, right? Um, But, you know, the whole thing is edited down to 15 or 20 minutes, right? And so uh, my guess is, you know by spending some time with them he gets everybody in kind of a relaxed state and they're almost not even aware anymore of the camera and then it's just uh almost always just two comedians right. just trying to make each other laugh right and <laughs> it you know your audience is one it just happens to be another fellow comic right and so sometimes they have these great exchanges where somebody will say something You know, and then the other person starts riffing off that whole thing, you know, or they're telling funny stories (laughs) together and, uh, it's, it's funny. Hmm. It's, uh, and, but it is kind of that in the moment comedy that isn't studied or practiced in the way that somebody's stand up routine really is studied or practiced. But you get kind of a sense, you know, like he had Gary Shandling on and, you know, he and and gary shandling were were great friends um but you know if you've ever seen gary shandling's comedy it has kind of a certain style of it but when you get gary shandling kind of comfortable and you're just in the car and you've had coffee as it turns out he's kind of just that way right and you know and his style comes through uh you know he's had sarah silverman on and she's just you know a little less polished and careful but the way that she kinda is, like the impression you get from her watching her comedy routine, that's just kinda how she is mm-hmm. in real life, right? Like it's it's kinda funny when you when you see that. I don't know, I really enjoy that
1: show. Yeah. Really? I should I should check it out. So that's another thing I love about Louis C. K. though, is he um he has such a great everyman quality yeah. and he just kinda he has kind of like a dumb guy quality, too. Like, he's obviously very smart. I mean, he's a brilliant sure. comedian. But he plays off as just kind of like, you know, stupid guy, stupid dad, <laughs> doesn't know what he's doing. Um, and that's part of the reason why he can get away with, you know, he has, he has some of the most, like, raw, vulgar, yeah. you know, off-the-wall humor. And he gets away with it because he there's nothing about him that's, like, being dirty or rude. He's just kind of being dumb guy, you know? <laughs> I, I Do you disagree? Like, he, he hosted SNL, like, last year or recently, and he did this whole bit about, like, pedophiles. Like, it was pretty... <laughs> I mean, any other comedian, and it would have been like, whoa. Right. But with him, I mean, it was funny, and it was just like he was just being... just kind of being dumb about it, you know? When uh, Louis C.K. was
0: on Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee he told this story about, cause he's, you know, he's a rich guy now, right? Mm-hmm. So he has this boat and they were out, you know, in New York on the water and somehow he got the boat stuck and, you know, because of the tides changing and you know, he's got his kids on the boat and there's no food and they're all are stuck. And I mean, it's just, it's this That's great his, story yeah. of, of, uh,
1: man, I was so dumb and we almost died. Right. right? He, dumb guy humor. <laughs> it's the best. It was very self deprecating. Yeah. Like in the best way. Yeah. Uh, though strangely, I've, you know, I've tried to watch his
0: show, right? Louie. And man, it's
1: a little hard to watch. It's hard, right? Because it's so awkward. And... Uh... He had a very <laughs> short-lived show on HBO, too. That I can't remember what it was called. And it was so awkward. Like, it didn't last very long. It was pretty dark, too. I, I don't mind dark. <laughs> I don't even mind awkward.
0: But, like, I, I prefer awkward as part of, like, a moment in a larger show. But if the whole thing is just 30 minutes of awkward and uncomfortable, uh, I have a hard time finding any enjoyment in that.
1: So did you ever follow, he did this, geez, it's maybe been five or six years ago now. He started like a direct sales thing um, where you would go to his website, you bought his, it was one of his comedy shows. It was like a 60 minute video um, and you got it. You had uh, to pay for it. You paid for it, and then you got the download, DRM free, high high res. Yeah. Um, and I bought it. I mean, it, it was a great comedy special, and you got a you know a high mm. quality um, yeah. digital copy of it, and it was really cool. And then you were on his mailing list, and he would send these pretty like clever, um, you know, very like I'm doing this thing. You don't have to buy it. You know, if you're interested, come check it out. You know, it was always right. very. Um, you know, not pushy or anything. And then he sold a few of his comedy specials and then he tried to crown crowdfund like a series. And I don't, if I remember that kind of fizzled out, it didn't really go super well. Um, but for a while he had great success in this like direct marketing, um, of his stuff. And I think he's the first comedian who really did that successfully. Um, I remember when that happened, I,
0: at the time I was like, ah, man, it seemed, seemed a little expensive. Um, and and it's I think kind it was of a, like 20 you know, bucks or something. Yeah. It was kind of a lot, yeah. Uh, and I was like, eh, I don't know, you know. So I didn't do it, but it's tough. The uh, And, you know, do you really want to watch on the computer? Like, I have an Apple TV now, so I'm more inter- interested maybe in that stuff. But um, I'd be more interested in, like, paying five bucks on iTunes to rent it watch it once right yeah i don't know it's uh it's tough to figure out how to how to charge for all of that stuff right like it's that's the hard part that the Mm -hmm. internet's trying to figure out because free works you know you'll get a lot of people sign up for free but free doesn't pay the bills so
1: and I'm sure it was just his attempt to be independent I mean that to me that would be a comedian's dream to just have be completely independent for your sales sure um not have to you know not have to sell your soul to h b o or yeah, you know well, you know
0: Seinfeld made all the money because he when the show was done, then he like sold the whole thing mm. right, like all of the Seinfeld shows right for like 800 million dollars or something right so now Seinfeld's got enough money that he doesn't have to right like he you know he still does his stand-up and he's doing this comedians cars getting coffee which is now going to Netflix oh by the way and he's going to continue doing it or because it's been successful enough right but he can just do it because the money doesn't matter right like he can find partners that will do it because they want to do it yeah and want to do it on his terms
1: i wondered if it was like that deal you know uh james corden or whoever owned it sold carpool karaoke to apple yeah you heard about this but he's not doing it like it's going to be somebody else doing it well yeah that doesn't even work so like i wondered if they were going to do cars and Comedians getting coffee sans jerry seinfeld no i (laughs) think it's unlikely i think it's still going to be seinfeld Mm -hmm.
0: But it's got to be, uh,
1: it's just going to be on Netflix. Hmm. Because I, I... So s- is it all free? Is it all free on YouTube right now? I mean, where do you watch it? Um, the, there's something called
0: Crackle that hmm. produces it. It's free. It's not on YouTube, but it's... Okay. It's free. I mean, there are ads. Uh, Acura sponsors it. Uh, which makes sense. I mean... It's about cars. It's about... Co- well,
1: it's about comedians in cars having coffee coffee okay Uh, well i like two out of three comedians and coffee so i'll give it a shot yeah (laughs) that's fine
0: i think the cars are phenomenal but you know i might like the cars Uh, so all right what else you want to talk about oh i i watched zero dark 30 today
1: oh okay so we were talking about uh Capturing Bin Laden, we were talking about the photo of the situation room yeah. during the mission, yeah. and you were saying you had read a great book about it, right. and they should make it into a movie, and I said they did. It's called Zero Dark Thirty. Yeah. Okay.
0: And no.
1: It's not accurate?
0: It's it... So having read that book, which was called um, The Finish, I think, capturing hmm. or killing Osama Bin Laden, and it was written by... I should look up. It's written by Mark Bowden, I think. Same guy that wrote Black Hawk Down, I think. And his story about what occurred there was really interesting for me. It was kind of a page turner, right? And in watching Zero Dark Thirty, I saw all of the points that I read about in the book. You know, about the kind of the long struggle and the darkness. You know, where they're just kind of flaming around and people are looking for for clues and not being able to find them and uh, then there is a moment in the movie where they kind of say, "Oh, you know, we found this connection that we'd made you know we captured this guy years ago and we put these things together and now we have this new bit of data that's relevant to looking for this courier, right? Cause the main character, uh, Maya in the movie, you know, her whole thing is looking for this courier, mm-hmm. uh, that's, that's going around, right? If we can find the courier, then we can find Osama bin Laden. And the, you know, the, cause the story, in zero dark 30 really follows this maya character right which is probably an attempt to tell the story from the human perspective and i guess i understand that but it it meant that it didn't allow for the um the emotional peak of the story right the conclusion of the story had to follow this person and it didn't It kind of divorced itself a little bit from the events, right? Like, I knew a lot of things that were going on that were told in a very subtle way in the story. But I don't, you know, you didn't read it. And I don't, you know, I talked about lots of things about what was going on. And you were like, oh, I didn't know that at all, right? Because if all you watched was Zero Dark Thirty, all you get is, you know, Maya is very driven
1: and spent a lot of time. So you get everything that's kind of related to her in some way. Right.
0: And what you don't get is, you know, it's the part of the billions of dollars that the United States has spent advancing the state of, of state of the art for, um, cross-checking data in the computer and all of the signals intelligence and all of the things that the NSA and the CIA are doing. Right, that's what eventually allowed this pattern to be made yeah. about the uh, about the courier, right? And then it kind of showed a little bit of the struggle of you know we think maybe that some of Bin Laden is here, but we don't really know, and uh, that was a really tough problem, right? That they they didn't really gloss over, but they didn't you know from from the main character in the movie's perspective, I mean, she was just angry that they were taking a long time to do anything, which wasn't really the tone that I think would have been most interesting to the viewers. Certainly not most interesting to me, right? Because it's, uh, you know, they didn't talk at all about the geopolitical politics and the risks associated with, you know, sending troops into a sovereign country that's ostensibly one of our allies mm-hmm. without telling them to go, uh, you know, assault a house that's, uh, you know, a little less than a mile. It's like eight tenths of a mile away from one of their military academies, right? Because maybe we think Osama bin Laden is there, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there was no discussion. Um, there was like one throwaway line in the movie where they say, I wanted to drop a bomb on the place, but. You know, we're going to send the SEALs in. Well, you know, the, they spent a lot a lot of time figuring out what it would be to drop a bomb mm-hmm. on the place. And the answer is, since you don't know exactly what the compound is made out of, and you don't know if there's an underground network there, dropping a bomb on it isn't, isn't likely to be the case. Like, if you can know that Osama bin Laden is there, and you want to know for sure that we're going to kill him, By dropping a bomb on the place, you got to drop a lot of bombs on the place, right? And that involves dropping so many bombs on the place that all of those neighbors that you see when you watch the movie, you know, where the lights come on and Mm -hmm. people are walking down the street, right? All those people are likely going to die too, right? Right? And, you know, the United States isn't generally big into killing a bunch of innocent people, right? So it's like, well okay, I understand that that's the math works out, that's how we got to do it, but that's not really who we are, so we didn't make that choice, right? Uh, you know, I thought that's an interesting story to tell. And then the, you know, the SEALs kind of, you know, they, they didn't really say one way or the other, right? But you kind of got the impression that they didn't necessarily have to do a lot of planning for this thing. But that SEAL team spent months, months yeah. <laughs> working on it. Right, I mean, literally yeah. months and months and months of their lives to go do that one thing, right? And you know that in and of itself is kind of a fascinating story about how that all got put together and a lot of the trepidation that uh, you know the senior leadership at the White House and the Pentagon had about sending men in because man, that can go wrong fast, and you're eight tenths of a mile away from. Pakistani military academy and nobody's going to know that you're there and you know if the Pakistanis you know have a heavy response um, you know maybe we can get the president on the phone to the president of Pakistan and get them to stand down but if not it's basically going to be the Pakistani military versus you know two helicopters full of navy seals And tell me that's not gonna make the news and how terrible is that gonna be? Because you know, some SEALs are gonna die and a whole lot of Pakistanis are gonna die. Right? I mean that's just gonna be terrible, right? And you know, there was a whole there was a an army ranger unit, you know, with more helicopters and more guys, like right on the border, ready to go.
1: Is that in the movie at all? No, it's not even in the movie
0: at all, right? But that was part of the contingency of, man, if everything goes sideways and we literally got to fight our way out, we're going to send in even more guys right. to fight their way in and help the SEALs fight their way out, right? I mean, he, you know, that sort of planning is kind of crazy, right? And the it, it, the story didn't – the movie didn't have an opportunity to tell that story at all. Uh, and I think – that that story is
1: more interesting than Maya the analyst's story. So so that's the Jessica Chastain character, yeah. right? Is is she a big character in the book, or have they just really embellished her importance I'm, in the no. story? I, I no. Like, do you even remember that character from the book? Uh, no, that should. There's no. There's oh. no Jessica
0: Chastain character. I mean, that
1: there's no Maya character in yeah, the book.
0: I don't know if Maya. Undoubtedly, there are a bunch of analysts, right? I don't know if she's based on a real person or if she's just an invented person. She's kind of the
1: embodiment of the intelligence process.
0: And there's nothing wrong with that,
1: right? And and I know that— Right, because this isn't a documentary, right? This is 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 a a narrative story. Right, and I know that one of the things that they wanted to tell was,
0: you know, here's what waterboarding looks like. You know, here's what torture looks like. Right. And I, I know that that was part of the political motivations of the movie. And I, I thought they, they didn't pull any punches with mm-hmm. what that is. Right. And, uh, you know, okay, I get that. Um, a lot of that's terrible. A lot of people are doing it cause they thought that it was helping. Right. And I'm mm-hmm. not going to pass judgment one way or the other on it, uh, but that, to me, is less interesting than the, the broader story and the context around, you know, we found this courier. Mm-hmm. We think maybe Osama Bin Laden is here. How can we know Plan for the sure? Mission. Plan the mission, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I would hope someday, eventually, we come back and tell that story It doesn't have to be in a rah-rah, you know, yay America sort Mm -hmm. of way. But that, to me, I think is a really interesting story that I would like to see as a movie. Hmm. Um, uh, So, yeah. I think watching Zero Dark Thirty, you'll have an understanding of what, hunting down Osama Bin Laden was like but I don't think you'll have the full right exactly
1: I have a better than nothing understanding yeah um and was there anything in it that you thought was particularly like not factual um I mean there's nothing that's like a blatant
0: yeah
1: no sensationalized detail or anything
0: no not really Nothing that struck me as such anyway. Like, I'm sure a lot of the dialogue
1: mm-hmm. between
0: all the different people, that's probably totally a fiction,
1: right? Yeah. Uh, I don't remember after that movie hearing a lot of, you know, complaints or debate about how accurate or inaccurate it was, as opposed to um, the Benghazi movie. Oh, like 13
0: Hours or something Yeah, like that, right?
1: that was a very good film. Like, I liked it very much. There was a lot of debate after that one of how you know, things were presented and how the officials at the embassy were presented versus yeah. at the outpost, you know, and what people's motivations were and who really said and did what. And, um, cause I think maybe the source material for that was a little more contentious too. Yeah. Uh, it seems like this book that you read, the, the bin Laden story seems to be pretty well vetted and agreed upon, like an agreed upon History kind of thing.
0: Well, it's certainly Mm -hmm. a lot less political, right? Benghazi is a is a political thing. So, you know, people you might talk to who know something about it are going to have a
1: pretty hardcore slant one way or the other. Um, And a lot of people who know absolutely nothing about it have a pretty strong opinion about it too. Yeah. So, (laughs) uh, yeah, I. To be honest, I.
0: Have in a lot of ways avoided Benghazi. Um, I—that's on purpose, right? I'll eventually come around to it, perhaps in a more academic way.
1: I think, yeah. Uh, I think there's a lot of information. Um, there's a lot of things to understand before you should have a legitimate opinion about it. Let's yeah. put it that way. The—the uh, <clears throat> the thing that I would want
0: my government to do is to understand it without trying to to blame or use it as a political weapon Mm -hmm. as it has been used but to really understand what were the events that occurred what were the choices that were made and how would we choose differently in that situation in the future so that we don't have it again yep Um, that's what you would want your government bureaucracy to do Um, that may have been done I don't know right but it's certainly been used for more things and it's Mm -hmm. a it's a political landmine at this point so
1: it was a good movie though did you see that? no Mm. I would recommend it so we'll see (laughs) I'll get there. Uh, Yeah. Oh, I need to get to some movies. I'm way behind on my Oscar movie Mm. viewer viewing viewership. I think I have like six movies to see in the next three weeks. (laughs) That's a lot. It's unlikely. Uh, Are any of
0: these on Netflix yet? Like that's an obvious thing me that is is stupid that we don't have yet like netflix or hulu or amazon prime or itunes somebody should just have the hey here are all the movies nominated for for best movie oscar uh rent them now right like i feel like somebody's going to make a bunch of money as soon as they can figure out how to do that
1: yeah it's just all timing um you know, people want to release the movies right at the end of the season, so they're fresh in everybody's mind and nomination time. So it, there are a few nominate. I have a list of the nominated movies I want to see. There are a few of them. Um, like Hell or High Water is out on. Yeah, I saw DVD. That. Oh yeah, is it good? I, I have that it. DVD right now, but I haven't watched it. Yeah, I liked it. Um, Captain Fantastic, The Lobster. There's several movies from earlier in the year that are on DVD, but the vast majority of them aren't out. Yeah. Like 95% probably.
0: <laughs> but you could charge as much as you would charge at a theater. I like got, you know, there are people like you who are really interested thing. in watching them and it's like, okay, if right. I had to pay eight bucks to stream it on iTunes, great, because yeah. then I can do it in my comfy pants on my
1: couch. Yeah, and I—that's that's just it. I need to watch it when it's like, okay everything's done for the night I have some time right now I need to seize the opportunity to watch this movie yeah well it's not playing uh, in town anymore yeah, I'm not, not... going to
0: wait for 45 minutes for right. the next showing and then drive across town I don't want any of that
1: yeah it is too bad that they wouldn't do that for Oscar movies it could just be like a limited run type thing charge me five extra dollars fine I mean yeah. it would be worth it nope never going to happen the internet needs to work better yeah Someday.
0: All right. Anything else? Nah, I'm good. Okay, until next time. See ya.